This is the Chapel Real Estate Show, episode number two. Welcome to the Chapel Real Estate Show, your source for the latest real estate information so you can buy, sell, and invest with the best in Texas. Whether you're a first-time buyer, a current homeowner, or a seasoned investor, you've come to the right place. We're here to simplify all things real estate so you can achieve your goals of property ownership with your hosts, Daniel and Roger Chapel. Listeners, thank you guys for tuning into the Chapel Real Estate Show, where we discuss all things real estate so that you can buy, sell, and invest with the best. I'm your host, Daniel Chapel, And I'm your co-host, Roger Chapel. I hope we're all doing great today. We are super excited to bring today's information to you guys. So today's topic is going to be all about first-time home buyers. So, you know, this is a topic that a lot of people are really uh, interested in, obviously. I myself purchased my first home back in 2015 at the age of 22. And I remember what it felt like to be one of those people, you know, stepping into a completely new experience, not sure who you can talk to, who you can ask questions to, what does it cost to get all this stuff done? Um, so, you know, a lot of questions come along with being a first time home buyer. So we're here to squash all those questions for you guys today. So, um, First of all, let's kind of give a little bit of background information on why we're credible to talk about first-time home buyers. So as you might know from listening to our last episode, we are licensed realtors in the Austin and Central Texas area. I've been in the business for about two and a half years, but been a homeowner since 2015. And Roger has been in the business for coming on five years now. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. And, uh, and he's been, you know, investing in real estate and been a homeowner since the early 90s. So, um, you know, we are really excited to bring today's content to you. So let me start by giving just a little bit of background about, you know, how I purchased my home back in 2015. So, um, like I said, I was 22 years old, uh, you know, just a young in in the business, I was working for Chipotle at the time. And uh, I had just relocated out to the San Marcos area. So I was looking for a place to live, I went and found an apartment for six months so that I could um, you know, kind of get a feel for if, uh, if home ownership was really something I wanted to do, find somebody to kind of help me and look around the market and see if there was anything that fit what I was looking for. Um, and uh, I found a realtor at the time, I actually interviewed a couple of different realtors. And the first one, she was just so rude and disrespectful, didn't want to answer any of my questions. Um, so I went on to the next one. And I was lucky enough to get somebody on the phone who was super, super helpful. Um, and he was really excited to help me uh, through this, you know, first time homebuyer journey. So I met with him and he, you know, immediately had an idea of where I should be looking, um, you know, a new up and coming community in the South Austin area. So he, you know, he took me out, we looked at a few properties and, um, you know, I fell in love with one house in particular. And I remember when I first walked in the door, I just remember thinking, why did he bring me here? I mean, there was green carpet everywhere. The front door and the garage door were painted green. Uh, you know, it was just kind of bizarre. But I walked in and I kind of looked past the ocean of green and saw, you know, this house has some pretty good bones. I like this house. And so we started walking around and I fell in love with the master bedroom. It had a little gamer Mary upstairs. And I was just like, you know, this, this is a really cool place. I could see myself living here. I could see myself having, you know, a friend or two. Remember at the time I was 22 years age, uh, I could have a friend or two move in with me and, and rent out a room or two and make a little bit of money that way. Um, so I was really excited about it. Went ahead and put an offer in on it. It was multiple offers. I, I went a little bit over list price and thankfully I was able to get the house. And, you know, 
moving forward, it was just a, an eye-opening experience for me. You know, over the course of the five years from 2015 to, to 2020, I realized this is something that more people should be doing. You know, if, if you have a way to, to purchase a home, if you have, you know, a, a friend or family member that can assist you financially, if you're in a good job already where, you know, maybe you didn't go to college or you got out of college and found yourself a great job at a young age, this is a, you know, it's something that people need to do. It's a great way to build equity. It's a great way to build wealth. Um, so, you know, that was kind of my experience. And I'll talk a little bit more about the house hacking that I did uh, in that property and how I made it really profitable for me. But, um, you know, that, that's enough about that. Dad, kind of give us a little bit about your, your experience as, uh, you know, working with first-time home buyers and purchasing properties on your own. Uh, great segue. So, uh, your mom and I, of course, we were uh, in our late 20s uh, when we were living in Houston and we decided it was time for us to stop paying rent and, and buy a house. And we'd wanted to buy a house since we got to uh, the Houston area. And the problem was, is that uh, I was transitioning out of the Marine Corps. Uh, your mom, of course, was getting a new job here as well. So we didn't have the employment history that we needed to be able to purchase a home right away. So we wound up renting. And uh, of course, at the time we were renting, mom gets pregnant with you. And before we knew it, we outgrew the house that we were in. I mean, literally, we, there was just too many of us living in this little two bedroom house. So uh, we found a house, we got under contract on it. It was new construction. Uh, I can remember going out and, and the first time we bought and it's and the second time we bought, we did not use a realtor. We decided we could do this on our own. Uh, only later on did I realize just how wrong I was in that. Uh, I went out and uh, I used to go to this house as it was being built almost every night, uh, taking a look at how it was being built. And, you know, a lot of the first time buyers that I work with today, they do the exact same thing. Uh, as the house is being constructed, literally from the foundation all the way up, they're there almost every night, every other night, checking it out, seeing the lumber that goes in, seeing the quality of the, the craftsmanship behind the work and things like that. So I was doing the same thing. Uh, I remember we paid 89000 for that house, and I was freaking out about how we were going to be able to afford it, uh, because at the time, I, I really didn't think we could, uh, but we did. Uh, somehow, it all fell together for us, and uh, we were starting to build our own wealth, so uh, I'll never forget that, and, and it's one of the things that I mention to my buyers all the time is that when you first buy a home, the very first time you buy a home, you will never forget that experience. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, you're never going to forget that experience. You're going to remember the, the true. You're, you're going to remember the good things about it. You're probably not going to remember as many of the the hiccups that occurred because there's hiccups that occur in almost every deal. Uh, and literally two to three weeks after you close, all those hiccups are you've completely forgotten about. Uh, but when it's your first home, you'll remember those things. There are things that you'll remember, you know, 20, 30 years from now. And you're like, man, I, I just, I still remember how that, how that felt. And I still remember today how it felt when your mom and I signed the paperwork and we actually owned our first home and we got the keys and, and all of that. That was a truly, truly exciting time for us. It is, you know, buying that first house is, is a, an experience that, I mean, it's definitely a stressful one as I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have experienced themselves. We can, you know, attest to that a million times over with the clients that we represent every day, but you know, it's a stressful process, but as you know, he alluded to this fact already, if you don't have a realtor, it just becomes that much more stressful. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that go on throughout the transaction that you, you may not take into account. 
And when you're handling those things on your own, you've never experienced them before. You don't know what you're looking at or what the contract means or what these little things mean. You know, it, it can uh, it can be a little bit of an overwhelming experience. But, uh, you know, we assist first time home buyers in our business every day. You know, first time home buyers are all over the place. Me in particular, I live down in the Kyle area. This price point is is first time home buyer heaven. People love it out here. And, you know, we, we love working with first time home buyers. So we're excited to bring the rest of today's content to you. So um, that kind of pushes us into the next segment of the episode. This is going to be the chapel chunk. So as I mentioned in our first episode, the chapel chunk, we're going to bring you a tip of the day related to the day's topic. Um, so uh, dad, why don't you go ahead and, and introduce the chapel chunk for today? So for today, the biggest tip that we can possibly give you is if you're a first time home buyer, you need to find yourself a local realtor. It's just that simple. I cannot stress that enough to you. I made the mistake of not using one the first time I bought. I left quite a bit of money on the table and had no idea until I sold that house. Uh, so uh, truly, you have to have a realtor when you're doing this. Uh, it just makes all the sense in the world. Interview a couple of them. Find the person that seems to fit you the best. Make sure that they're knowledgeable about your local area. Uh, make sure that they have uh, connections with lenders and uh, some of the other vendors that we've, we've talked about or that we will be talking about in future episodes as well. Uh, it's very important to have somebody that's connected to your community. Uh, and most importantly, somebody who's going to work for you. So uh, I cannot stress that to you enough. And if at any chance or if uh, you have questions or you need some help and assistance in finding a local realtor, please reach out to us. We have networks across the country where we can put you in touch with people that uh, will give you the kind of service that you, the first time homebuyer, deserve. All right. Well, thank you very much for the chapel chunk today. So uh, let's go ahead and move on into today's episode. Again, today's topic is going to be first time home buyers. So before we get into all of the advantages of being a first time home buyer and all that good stuff, let's talk about for a second, what does it take to qualify as a first time home buyer? Um, so my dad and I had a quick discussion about this a little while before the episode, but um, we were talking about what does it take to actually be considered a first time home buyer? So, uh, you know, it's a bit of a misnomer you don't have to be purchasing your first home to be considered a first time home buyer. Basically what, uh, what is required is that you not own a primary residence for at least the last three years. If you have not owned a primary residence for three years, then you're actually able to go ahead and, and qualify as a first time home buyer and qualify for some of these first time home buyer programs. Um, but aside from that, uh, you know, there's a few other things that, that I would consider to be crucial elements to understand if you want to purchase a home. So the first one would be credit score. So dad, why don't you talk a little bit about what, what is kind of a minimum credit score that, that most lenders would like to see. And mind you, we're not lenders. We are realtors. We're always going to refer you to a lender when it comes to discussing financial stuff, but just to kind of give you guys a general idea of what does it take to buy a first home? Talk a little bit about the, the credit scores for us, dad. Yeah, thanks for uh, qualifying that. Yes, we are not the lender. So uh, what I'm going to tell you is a generalization. Uh, you can get specific information from a lender themselves. They can walk you through everything, hold your hand and, and truly hold your hand because you're going to need that uh, and walk you through the entire process. But typically, uh, you get your best interest rates when you have a credit score higher than 620. Most lenders want you to have your credit score higher than that anyway. 
uh, depending on the loan program that you are applying for, uh, some of that criteria could change. You could have a higher, maybe a lower credit score, your interest rate. Most of the interest rates are based on credit score as well as some other factors, but credit score is definitely one of the big ones. When it comes to credit score as well, some folks may have a lower credit score and trying to figure out what they can do to bring their score up. So you'd be shocked at the number of things that you could do very quickly that could truly dramatically raise your credit score in a very short period of time. And a lot of people seem to think that, man, I got to pay off all of my debt. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you just need to open up another credit card. Maybe you don't have any credit other than the student loans that you just finished up or that you still have that you're paying on. Maybe that's the only credit you have, uh, but you have a, a fair amount of income. There's a number of things that you can do uh, when you're working with a lender, especially uh, that, that can help you inch those scores up. And I'm telling you, you'd be really, really surprised. Yeah, and just kind of to, to add on to that a little bit, some of the things that I've done in the past to really help improve my credit score that kind of were creative at the time, but now that I think about it, I'm like, man, that was, that was a pretty, pretty savvy move. But increasing your credit scores, you know, I mean, your, your credit limits. If you have, a, you know, three or four credit cards and you've got one of them that's maxed out and is really, you know, messing up your debt to income ratio, see what you can do about getting some of your credit limits rates. Because remember, it's all an average of all of your accounts. So if you can get your debt usage down or if you can do some other things to kind of manipulate how it looks on paper, that can actually help you improve your credit score a little bit. Um, so, yeah, that's that's awesome. Really good advice. Um, so another thing that is extremely important when you talk about qualifying for a loan is going to be your job history, right? Uh, you can't you can't buy a house without income. So uh, when you talk about job history, what are some of the things that a lender is going to look for when they look at your your job history? So I'll use myself as an example. Uh, when your mom and I were looking to buy our first home, uh, I was just transitioning out of the Marine Corps. Uh, Mama was just transitioning into a new job as well. So because we had just changed not just jobs, but career paths, then we had to wait two years uh, before we could qualify for a loan. What that typically means is that you have to remain in the same industry uh, with steady income for a period of two years before you can actually qualify for a loan. Um, so yeah, for when it comes to job history, two years work history is usually a pretty good rule of thumb um, within the same industry or profession is, is definitely preferred. So uh, now the last little thing that I wanna touch on that obviously is extremely important when it comes to qualifying for a loan and being able to pay for a home is gonna be your savings, right? Um, so there are some costs associated with purchasing a home, down payments, closing costs, things of that nature. And a lot of them are going to vary depending on the loan program that is made available to you. So um, kind of when you talk about savings, what is kind of a general rule of thumb, some good numbers that you can attach to how much you should have in savings if you want to be able to make it to the closing table to purchase a home? That's a great question. So one of the things that, that first time buyers don't understand is the difference between closing costs and a down payment. So a lot of people seem to think that they need 20, 30, 50 grand in the bank before they can actually purchase a home. Well, that's not always true. So the closing costs and the, the down payment are two completely separate funds, if you will. The down payment typically is anywhere between three and 20%. Could be more, uh, probably not gonna be less unless you get a, uh, a down payment assistance program uh, that will take that from you. But most of the time you're looking at anywhere between three and 20% down on the price of a home. What does that mean? Three to 20%. That's on the price of the home itself. 
So if it's a $200,000 home and you're doing FHA, FHA requires three and a half percent. So you're looking at $7,500 would be the down payment on that home. But in addition to that, you also have closing costs. So your closing costs are things such as your portion of the taxes. What, what does that mean? When a person sells a home, the seller is responsible for their portion of the property taxes up to the date of closing. The new buyer, when they come in, they are the new owner. They are responsible for their portion of the taxes from the date of closing to the end of the year. So all of that gets prorated per day. That also includes your homeowner's insurance. That includes HOA fees. Um, some of the other prepaids, I don't know, escapes me at the moment, but there are a number of other prepaids that are considered closing costs. All of that should total up somewhere around 3% of the price of the house. So once again, you're talking about uh, $6,000 on a $200,000 home. So all total in that scenario that I just gave you, you're looking at approximately $13,500 that one would need in order to qualify to purchase a home, a $200,000 home with FHA requirements. Now, that is just a generic general thing to go by. So basically, if you've got between four and 7% of whatever price of the home is that you're looking to purchase in the bank, then obviously you can, you can move forward and purchase a home. If you don't have that, that doesn't mean you can't buy a home, but you may be able to qualify for down payment assistance programs that are available through various lenders. So not all lenders offer these programs either. So it's a matter of trying to find the right lender that has the right program to fit uh, that particular buyer's needs. Did that answer awesome. that question? Yeah, definitely. And actually that is a perfect segue into the next section. So, um, you know, the next thing I want to talk about is what are some of the advantages that you get to being a first time home buyer? You just mentioned one of them. It's going to be some of the loan programs that are made available to you. Um, what are some of the other advantages to being a first time home buyer? Well, one of them, of course, I, I keep going back to these uh, down payment assistance programs. I sold a house recently in the city of San Antonio. And because this particular home was in the city of San Antonio, San Antonio had a down payment assistance program for that buyer that literally took care of the, all of the uh, down payment that the buyer needed. In addition, uh, she also qualified for, uh, I, I was able to negotiate through the, the contract itself, her closing costs. So she wound up actually purchasing a home and not having to pay anything uh, to get into that home. All of that money that she had saved up allowed her to actually uh, do some repairs on the home before she actually moved in there. So uh, with that particular buyer, uh, it came out quite well for her. So again, down payment assistance programs are, are the way to go if you can do it. Uh, if you're a veteran, uh, you have the Veterans Administration has programs for you. Uh, actually, that, these programs, these government-backed programs are literally that, they're government-backed. That doesn't mean necessarily that one automatically qualifies for it. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you apply for the loan through the VA. No, you apply for the loan through a lender who works with the VA. The VA backs that loan up. So uh, in the past, there was a cap on how much a veteran could borrow in order to purchase a home. Well, that cap has now been removed. So now veterans can purchase with nothing down, uh, homes uh, upward of whatever dollar amount it is that they're looking for. It, it surely depends on the home that they're looking for. Uh, I mean, I sold one uh, last year for 780,000, uh, which in a county where used to be 420 was our max on the, uh, the Veterans Administration. No longer is that the case. Uh, FHA has a max depending on the county that you live in. 
uh, those numbers are released. I don't, I don't remember when they're released. I think it's once a year is when those numbers get released. Uh, and what they are, I don't really know. Uh, that's more of a lender question. So it's that, that would be something I would defer to a lender. Uh, on conventional loans, conventional loans, uh, the lowest percentage, John, I have seen is 3%. Uh, those go as high as uh, 20%. So it, uh, uh, I'm sorry, as high as, yeah, 20% down. So it literally just depends on the type of loan that one qualifies for. Wishing you a safe and prosperous 2021 from our team at Chapel Realty Group. I mean, wow, you, I think you pretty much touched on just about all the benefits that I had written down that, that could be, you know, good benefits to first-time home buyers, loan programs, lower down payments. You mentioned how with FHA and government-backed loans, it's not uncommon to see uh, buyers ask for closing cost assistance on the contract. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, you know, there are a lot of really good advantages to being a first-time home buyer. Um, a lot of the times you can get into a house for very, very little or no down, and you don't have to be a veteran to do it. Uh, in a lot of cases, there are ways that we can negotiate that stuff in. Uh, so again, it's going to come down to making sure that you have a realtor who's in your corner, who's assisting you with the purchase of the home. It is very, very important that you have somebody who understands the ins and outs of the contracts and, and what uh, it takes to get a deal done. So, um, well, kind of moving into, uh, I guess, the last section of our podcast for the day is going to be some of the different strategies that you can use when you are a first time home buyer. So, uh, you know, as a, as a first time home buyer, you can do things like house hacking, which is, I kind of mentioned a little bit about that earlier on. So my experience when I purchased my home back in 2015, um, I, my house was about $180,000. It was a three bedroom, two and a half bathroom house. Um, and I was 22 years old at the time I was single. I didn't have anybody that was going to be moving in with me. It was just me buying the home. So I already had, uh, you know, a list of two or three friends that were interested in renting rooms for me. So I rented out those bedrooms at six and $700 per room. Um, and then I ended up having a mortgage payment of around 120 bucks a month. And I got to live in my house for, for very, very little for the first two years that I was here actually. Um, so, you know, that's one method that you can use for house hacking. Another very common method for house hacking is gonna be uh, multifamily investments, things like duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes. Um, so those are all really great, great things that you can use to, um, you know, start building equity, but reduce your expenses when you talk about what it costs, the costs associated with owning a home, because things come up when you own a home as, as a, you know, an apartment uh, renter or, or a renter in general, there's some benefits to that, right? You get to call the landlord and they get to send somebody out to, to do the repairs for you. Um, you don't have to worry about if my AC goes out, I'm going to have to, you know, pay a ton of money to get somebody out here to replace the unit or uh, your roof needs to be replaced every so many years. So there are some expenses associated with, with owning a home. So, you know, there are ways that you can reduce those costs by house hacking. Um, another thing that, that uh, a lot of people will, will tend to do, and this is something that I'm going to kind of pass over to, uh, to my dad, Roger here, um, is renting their primary residence. So, um, you know, certain loan programs won't allow for that, but uh, you know, what are some of the things that you could do uh, to, to rent out a primary residence if, if you're purchasing, you know, say a house on, on an acre of land? So uh, your mom and I actually did this. Uh, we, we purchased a home, we remodeled it, then we lived in it. And uh, 
we've done this a couple of times. Uh, California was one in particular. We lived in it for a couple of years. Uh, we didn't have enough equity built up in it at the time to sell it. So we had to lease it out. It was our primary residence. So we leased it out. Uh, we came back here to Texas. We stayed in a, uh, an extended stay for a while until we could find a home to move into. But fortunately for us, because it was a change of jobs, uh, a, a truly life changing experience, then, uh, or a life event as it's known for, uh, we could still qualify for various loans as a primary residence. So that one was no longer considered our primary residence. In addition, when we did sell it a year later, we didn't have to pay capital gains on it. So uh, because it was our primary residence within the last five years. So there are a number of things that, that uh, were beneficial in that regard. Uh, and I always uh, try to take advantage of that when I can. Uh, I mean, your mom and I have done it several times. So uh, renting it out is a very good way to go. Uh, in order for that rent to be able to count towards your income, though, it has to be a rental property or an investment property for a minimum of two years, unless you purchase it as an investment property. And there's already been a, another history of rental uh, uh, revenue behind that. So it just depends. Again, that's getting a little bit out of uh, the scope of a first-time buyer. Uh, but as a first-time buyer, I think the house hacking, the way you did it, was a fantastic way to do that. Uh, for others, you can, uh, I mean, if you're buying an acre of land and you're going to develop it, or 13 or 15 or 25 acres of land, you're going to develop it. Uh, there are certain places where you can put an RV out there, uh, live in the RV while your house is being built. Uh, that, that's one way to do that. Uh, at least that way you're not paying... Uh, too much in rent. Uh, RV is one way to go. Uh, to, you can also, while a home is being built, rent an apartment or something along those lines. But the goal is to try to not pay rent. <laughs> rent right. goes to somebody else. So uh, that's just one of the many, many things that I think about. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to back up for a second because you mentioned the the house in in California, and I think it's kind of funny because that to me is more of a. I mean, you use multiple strategies when you work that property right it did y'all that wasn't considered a first time purchase for you guys when y'all moved to california though was it did they qualify that as a first time home buyer no no but uh but it could be considered right a live-in flip and also kind of a burr right for, for those of you who don't know burr is buy rehab rent refinance repeat um so you know with you guys moving into the house i remember the state of that house when y'all first bought it little 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 bitty thing and man did it need some work and man i, I remember y'all spent a you know a lot of time and money getting that thing real tip top and then you know so that right there is kind of a live and flip right you were living in it while y'all were renovating it and bringing it up to up to par you moved out of it you rented it out so that's where kind of the burr method comes in a little bit you rented it out because you couldn't at the time justify selling it. Um, and then you went and, and flipped it and sold it and made a good profit off of it, as I understand. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. So, I mean, that, you know, there, there are a lot of different ways that you can start to build equity and build wealth in, uh, in the real estate business. Kind of the bonus tip that we're going to give you guys today and that I always tell people that, you know, our first time home buyers or that are hesitant about buying a house is you don't have to live in your first home so that you can start building wealth in real estate. Um, you know, as, as we mentioned, there are a lot, a lot of, a lot of programs out there, loan programs that require that you use the, uh, the house as your primary residence in order to hold that type of loan. But, you know, when you talk about people who live in the Austin area, like us, 
houses aren't super cheap here. You know, for a first time home buyer may not be able to get a loan for $250,000, which is a pretty, a pretty average home price out here. Um, so maybe, you know, you can't afford to buy a house here, but if you go look in Montgomery, Texas, where there's, you know, one and two bedroom little condos that you can buy for, for 50 to a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. You might not be able to get the low first time home buyer down payment assistance programs, but five, 10% of a hundred thousand dollars is a lot, a lot less than 7% of $250,000, $300,000. So um, again, that bonus tip, you do not have to live in your first house to start building equity. Um, I think that kind of wraps up today's show. Dad, is there anything that you kind of want to add on to, um, to the information that we've given to our listeners today? Well, I mean, uh, I always want to, want to throw a plug out there to the buyer's agents. Uh, and I, I cannot stress this enough. I think the chapel chunk, I did it very well. Uh, but you really do need to get yourself a realtor. And if you're, you're anticipating uh, possibly purchasing in the next year or so, uh, go ahead and get your realtor now. Uh, talk with them. Learn what the process is about. Uh, sit down with a lender. Those are your two primary uh, sources that you're going to need when you start your home search. After that, it depends on the home that you get to as to which vendor you may have to go to or not. Uh, and you really need a professional on your side uh, that's going to walk you through the process, explain everything to you, and again, if any of our listeners ever have any questions about any of this, by all means, please reach out to us through the Chapel Realty Group at every, uh, whether it's social media, internet, whatever, uh, Chapel Realty Group, uh, we'll be able to uh, answer the questions or get them in touch with somebody local through our referral networks. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, so that pretty much wraps up today's episode. We're going to go ahead and move into. So last week, you guys got to know my dad a little bit. Um, he answered a few questions for us. Now, this week, you're going to get to hear the opposite. So my dad is going to ask me the same five questions uh, just to kind of give you guys an opportunity to get to know me. So, Dad, let me go ahead and hand it over to you. All right. So, Daniel, I think this is going to be just as educational for me as it is some of our listeners. <laughs> uh, what was the first concert you ever attended or saw? Man, you know, I, I want to say that the first concert I ever went to was when I was a little kid. And I think you and mom took us to, I think it was a Nickelodeon concert. And I, I want to say NSYNC might have been performing there. There was a couple of other big names that were there. Um, but I guess the most, we'll go with the most memorable concert I've ever been to. And that was the Rush concert that we went to at the Cynthia Woods uh, Pavilion. Love Rush and so heartbroken that they're broken up. And that we lost Neil Peart last year. So, but uh, rest in yeah. peace, Neil. Legend. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, that, that was a fun concert too. Yeah, it really was. Um, secondly, what is your favorite hobby or hobbies? It's gonna it's gonna go back to the music. Um, I have always been, you know, I've always had a knack for for music in general. I played piano growing up. Uh, I was on the drum line through high school uh, and played some guitar through high school and. Uh, yeah, I guess most recently I've, I've continued playing uh, piano and acoustic guitar has been the most recent thing I've picked up. So those are, I guess, the two, the two hobbies that are taking up most of my time. Excellent. So who is the most memorable person you've ever met? And that is a tough one. Um, the most memorable person, I, I'll say people, because there were two leaders that I worked with in my career at Chipotle that... Um, kind of kick-started my career and got me on the right path. And uh, that was David Deitch and Rafael Garcia. 
Um, so both of those guys, I'm really, really good people, um, saw something in me, believed in me, and are, are a big part of the reason why I, I've become the person that I am today. So thank you guys. I appreciate y'all's, y'all's contribution to my life. Excellent. Good. I'm sure they'll be happy to hear that. So I think I know the answer to this one. What is the most exotic place that you've ever traveled to? I don't even have to think about that one. Costa Rica by far. So uh, what, it must have been my junior, maybe my sophomore or junior year of high school. We went on a family trip out to Costa Rica. And uh, man, we, we got, my mom was working in the hotel industry at the time. And I remember we arrived at the hotel and they greeted all of us by name. They said, hello, Roger, Lorena, Diego, Daniel, Sophia. They introduced, you know, it said hello to everybody, handed us this tropical island juice and said, this is, you know, made homemade for just for you. And, uh, you know, we tried that out. And I remember, you know, going up to the room, looking out the window, there's monkeys swinging in the trees. Uh, you and I played a, a beautiful game of golf out there. I mean, yeah, by far being in the jungle, getting to see, I mean, it was like jungle beach, like everything you could imagine in a beautiful vacation. It had it all. It was awesome, man. I love that place. Well, we'll have to go back whenever they release us for this COVID thing. No kidding. That is a fact. All right. So uh, finally, what is the best way for our listeners to reach you? Um, the best way to reach me is going to be through Instagram is where I'm most active, ATX Realtor Daniel. Um, you can also find me on places you find other people, uh, Facebook, uh, just Daniel Chapel, Coldwell Banker. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you know, you can you can always reach me through Chapel Realty Group. You can find us at Chapel Realty Group on just about any social media platform or on our website and you'll find me there, too. Sounds good. All righty, guys. Well, we want to thank you again for tuning into the Chapel Real Estate Show. It has been a pleasure to spend our, our time with you guys, and we're excited to bring more information to you. So we'll catch you guys next week. Come back and see us. Thank you for joining us this week on the Chapel Real Estate Show. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and leave us a review. Find us on social media at Chapel Realty Group and online at chapelrealtygroup.com. Until next time.